Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me. I like the sound of that. Hey everybody, welcome to Star Wars Fun for Everyone, especially me, I'm your host Tom Sutton. You are ready for Star Wars talk. And as uh, I am also ready for Star Wars talk, here we go. So, man, everybody, <laughs> I'm assuming you have seen chapter 6 of the Book of Boba Fett at this point. If you haven't, don't listen any further because we're, we're going to do a full... Full spoiler reaction to that incredible episode. That's another banger in the bank for the show. Um, yeah, we'll be getting to that in a second. Um, before that, I just want to mention that um, leading up to the Book of Boba Fett, I actually, um, you know, decided to rewatch both seasons of The Mandalorian just to kind of get revved up. Anyway, things got a bit busy. I didn't get around to. Um, Watching all of it, but I've been, you know, slowly re-watching those episodes. And last night I watched um, the Ahsoka episode and the big Tython Return of Boba Fett episode back to back. I think that like that that Ahsoka episode is incredible. And it kind of like is um, relevant to what we're talking about today because obviously Dave Filoni uh, directed that one and he directed uh, today's episode of The Book of Boba Fett. Um, but just, oh, it's so good. I love the aesthetics of it. I love the design. Rosario Dawson, again, just smashes it as Ahsoka. Like, so good. The sound of lightsabers on Beskar. I will never get sick of it. So good. Um, and so emotional. Like these, those just beautiful, beautiful scenes of her communicating with Grogu. And uh, that just, it's a heartbreaker, you know, at the end where you like, Din's revving up to say goodbye. And it, of course, it doesn't happen. But yeah, great episode. And then the uh, Boba Fett one on Tython. Yeah, again, I kind of. Uh, I gotta say, like I, uh, we've seen a bit of that Boba Fett in the book of Boba Fett so far, um, not that much, uh, but it was great to go back and go. Ah, oh, yeah, I remember how we were reintroduced to this character. It was hot. Um, yeah, good stuff. I, I think the um, the kind of overly real, real worldish kind of look um, to the episode bothered me a bit less this time, which was nice. Um, it, I, I do have to say, you know, I'm probably repeating myself here, but, uh, you know, th there are certain like angry nerd boys on the internet who like claim that that absolutely iconic, uh, fight in The Last Jedi between Kylo Ren, Rey and the Praetorian Guards is like terrible choreography because there's, there's points where... Like, for example, Ray is dealing with one of them and there's another one behind her that could be attacking and he's not and that's terrible choreography and blah, blah, blah. And Like that Boba Fett episode, which everyone loved, is full of those moments. There's like one shot where like the, um, the stormtrooper captain, he like looks behind him to be like, all right, lads, go forward. And then he turns to like gesture to like go up the hill, you guys. And then 
he gets the gaffy stick tap on the shoulder of, of Boba Fett behind him. Like he literally just looked behind him. Like did he not see Boba Fett standing there? Like I, I don't know. I just sorry. It's just I, <laughs> this week I've seen more of that kind of like uh, Last Jedi ridiculous complaining. I, if you didn't like the movie, that's awesome. You know that's that's fine. Um, but sometimes, oh, dude. Anyway, let's get into the good stuff. Chapter 6 of The Book of Boba Fett, co-written by Jon Favreau and Dave Filoni and directed by Dave Filoni. Um, what were my expectations going in? I was, you know, I felt a bit like, um, like season two of The Mandalorian. Like we had those two just bonkers episodes, Ahsoka, Boba Fett in a row, and then I just felt like, oh, now going to that second last episode, this is going to be another just insane episode. But it was actually a bit like, a bit uh, quite restrained in a way. It was a killer episode, but um, it didn't necessarily feel like the second to last episode leading up to the finale, you know. Um, but, you know, in, in hindsight, it was a great episode and it all worked awesomely. So great. Um I was a little bit kind of expecting, you know, I, I felt a little bit like, all right, we we had a whole episode of just Din Djarin basically um, last week. I don't see that um, they are just going to do that again. Uh, so I actually thought that, you know, this this the way they ended up, like I got to go pay a, a visit to a little friend of mine. Um, I really thought that was like, laying the cookie crumbs for like a, a run-in that would happen maybe in the last episode. And we wouldn't see Din go see Grogu. We wouldn't see him talk to Luke or anything. And I thought that we would just see him suddenly turn up in the last episode of the season in that amazing N1 Starfighter and uh, the two of them would like come to the rescue. Um, well, I was completely wrong. <laughs> um I mean, okay, the way the episode starts off, Cobb Vanth, welcome back, buddy. I love that character. Damn, he is so great. I love Timothy Oliphant. Um, think it through. That's my new, this is my new, like, favorite Star Wars saying. Think it through. Oh, just to, like, just, uh, that's the, like the, the cool guy that you wish you were, kind of, you know? Um, being able to face down four Pike Syndicate goons. Just hand on the holster of that, of that blaster. Cool-looking blaster as well. Big fan of that. Um, it was great. And I just loved... Oh, I just loved the whole, like, the vibe, the tension of that scene, the coolness of Cobb Vanth. Timothy Oliphant's got these weird bandy legs, man. It's like he looks like he walks like his knees are broken or something. But it kind of adds to the coolness in a way. Um, yeah. And then when he just kicks that uh, crate of spice over, I still think this spice trade makes no sense. Like there's two cities on Tatooine. Where are they taking it? Why are they shipping it through the middle of nowhere? Eh, whatever. Probably best not to think about it too hard. But killer opening to the episode. Then... Din Djarin, go on to whatever planet that was. Now, I have a big question. I'm assuming 
that's exactly the place that we see in the sequel trilogy as Luke's temple. Um, it looks quite different just from memory. I, I really have to look at them like side by side uh, to compare. Obviously, this is like right at the beginning. Um, they're, you know, just building the first structure there. Um, but, you know, what you see in the sequel trilogy is a pretty um, pretty big uh, facility there. Um, a lot less trees and stuff. Uh, I don't remember the hills being that uh, severe, really. I, I, I got I to gotta go back and, and double check. I'm assuming that, like, it would be weird for them to have this whole thing of him setting up this new school and then go, nah, yeah, but then he moved it later, like... I'm assuming they are they intended to make it the same place, which means for sure they would have actually looked at uh, the reference material from the sequel trilogy and copied the look of it, except for you know a lot more trees cut down or whatever. Um, but I gotta I gotta go back and look at that and see. But um, yeah, I liked the look of the of that place. Um, it was really like the bamboo and everything was really cool. I loved the reveal of the ant droids. They were so cool. I loved those. Man, they're just a cool idea. I like the, the whole vibe of it. I love just like, I mean, R2, get to see R2 again. Always welcome. That was awesome. I love that he just switches off. <laughs> it's like, I'm switching off. In a way, it plays into episode seven where he's just off. He switched off and like no one can figure out how to get him to turn back on again. Um, and in this case, Din didn't just like look for the on button. It's kind of cool because that's one of my least favorite episode, uh, aspects of episode seven that, that R2 which, as a droid is able to kind of switch himself off. And uh, yeah. But uh, that was cool. Um, Ahsoka Tano, who expected, like, who would have expected her to come back, man, in this episode? And she was fantastic again. Yeah, I I really like uh, the mixture of kind of um, uh, sweetness, the, the, you know, like younger Ahsoka sweetness. It still exists there in some form, but there's so much more maturity there now. Obviously, she's playing a character that's a lot uh, more older and more mature. And I, I just, I really like her in that role. It's great. I do wish, you know, I was thinking this yesterday when I was watching the, um, the episode from The Mandalorian. Her face markings, like that character, obviously, it was an animated character. It was designed to uh, work in an animated situation, and it was designed to appeal to kids. Um, but those face markings, like, they're really, they're so prominent on her face. I really, I think if if I was doing it, I think I would have kind of blended it a little bit into the rest of her face so it doesn't look like, like almost this kind of carnival makeup or something, you know, or just, like, made the color, made the color of that a bit closer to the rest of her skin color or something. Um, but, uh, yeah, great to see her. Now, of course, um, it's crazy. Like, the earlier episodes of this show have all been really good. Um, but they didn't really set you up to have big expectations for 
you know, major stuff down the road. And um, I don't think anyone thought that we would get like a full 20 minute or so sequence of Luke freaking Skywalker. And Luke freaking Skywalker training Grogu. It was wonderful. Now, let's get the, the technical aspects out the way first. How did Luke look? A thousand times better than he did in that last episode of season two of The Mandalorian. Light years ahead. Um, really, uh, especially like like face-on shots where he's not really moving much. I mean, 100% photorealistic to me. Um, I think that there are there were some shots where I think like whenever his face angles away from the camera, um, I guess shadows work in a quite complex way or something on the sides of the face. Also under the chin is a bit of a trou trouble spot, I suppose, because of how light works there. Um, so there were a couple of moments. Also, I guess like some of the, the voice, like, like the... the um, the performance of the voice, it feels a bit like stilted in uh, from time to time just because I guess matching up movement and vocal performance and everything is uh, a big aspect to it. I don't know which they do first. Do they, do the, do they shoot the physical stuff first and then get someone to ADR the, the, the performance, the, the physical performance, or do they do the dialogue first? My guess would be physical stuff first and then ADR later. Hmm. I guess we will get some more info on that uh, later on. But yeah, I think the assumption is that the guy that they hired who had done amazing deepfake YouTube videos, like most people are assuming that this is the result of that guy's work and round of applause all around. It was great. Like it's still, like I said, it's not 100%, but it's... 85 or even 90 at this point. And it wasn't enough to stop it feeling magical. And that's the that's where you need to get to. Because I, I know it didn't bother everyone, but that episode of The Mandalorian, um, I had some issues in other places as well, which didn't help, I guess. But especially, you know, the, the CG Luke face. Um, to me, it like... It put a pebble in front of the skateboard wheel a little bit in terms of just being like lost in the moment. Um, and I felt like uh, Luke here, that wasn't the case. And he's like, the, there was performance there and there was um, character there. And uh, a couple of, some of the movements, like the way his eyes move, it's just straight like, I mean, that's Mark Hamill. They've really copied the way his face moves and stuff from, the, from uh, the films and it just really sells the effect so well. Um, yeah, the voice was excellent. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's good to remember, like you're seeing Luke six years on from Return of the Jedi or whatever. So, you know, sometimes I thought, oh, the hair is a bit different or something. Like, well, of course it is. He's six years older. So it, it'll, it, it works really well. Now, how was it seeing him and Grogu together? charming as hell like wow it was super fun i really liked it um 
I think it's hard sometimes to do, I think I've said this before, to do like Jedi training because um, like what, what wisdom is there that you can put on screen that's really going to resonate for people? Obviously, Empire Strikes, Strikes Back is the gold standard for that. I think the, the Last Jedi is the, the kind of gold, uh, silver medal winner on that one um, in terms of the, like the knowledge side of things. Um, yeah, it's, uh, but it was really lovely to see Luke working with, with Grogu and I mean, the, <laughs> the little, uh, the little, um, kind of nods to stuff we know, like when Luke is running with Grogu in the backpack and he does that forward, uh, somersault that we're so familiar with from, uh, Dagobah. Yeah. Really nice. It was nice. I, th I felt like Luke had a real like warmth to him that was kind of lacking in the Mandalorian episode. He felt pretty a bit like obviously like the, the the technical side has improved since then, but uh, really he felt a, he didn't feel as warm as Luke usually feels. Um, and in this case, I feel like that kind of like warmth came through really nicely. It was great to see him and Ahsoka t talking together. Um, but and I think that like the emotionally the 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 heaviest hitting moment of the episode was um, Din just standing there and and he he says I've come so far and he's right there and oh my god it's like oh it's so so heartbreaking and Ahsoka's right like. If they're going to give Grogu a fighting chance at doing this, at becoming a Jedi, then they can't keep reminding him of uh, his relationship with Din. So I think that was, uh, that, was, that was right on and such a sad moment and a sweet moment. And Din made, he was able to, to make the right choice and do the right thing. Um, so it's interesting um, just seeing online a bit. Uh, I didn't even see people complain about this because I tend to follow people who actually like Star Wars. Ha, ha, ha. Um, but apparently, you know, some people said, oh, well, you know, I thought Luke was moving on from all that, you know, Jedi dogma of like, um, you know, allowed to have att attachments and blah, blah, blah. Um, the important thing to realize is that between now and Episode 7, we have to see Luke make mistakes. That's why Luke is how he is in the sequel trilogy. So um, if Luke is making the mistake of again having, you know, forcing Grogu to make this decision, um, that, I mean, that's in line with the rest of the story, actually. Um, and that big decision... Yoda's lightsaber didn't come into the episode expecting to see that. Um, oh, man, that was a, I mean, a great moment to end the episode, that decision. What do you want? Do you want to be a Mandalorian or a Jedi? Well, I, I feel a little bit that, you know, in the episode before, they did mention Tar Vizsla, this uh, long gone... Jedi who was a Mandalorian. He was both a Mandalorian and a Jedi. 
I don't see that it's totally impossible to do both, but let's see. Let's see what happens. I mean, who knows what could happen to Grogu between now and the sequel trilogy era. What if what if he does, you know, decide to be a, a Mandalorian basically? But years later, Din's gone. But he runs into Rey and Finn and says, yeah, I used to dabble with this stuff myself. Maybe it's time to pick it up again. He would still be young by then. Oh, I think this episode, like, to me really showed what the possibilities are that, I mean, there's nothing they can't do really. What if, I mean, this was a really like a totally acceptable level, like uh, deep fake Luke, right? Um, could they do a, a Luke Academy series? I don't think it's impossible. Um, it was great. Now, uh, yep, some other story points. We've got um, <laughs> Boba Fett was in the episode, but he didn't say anything. Um, feel sorry for whores out there, but uh, yeah. yeah. Let's see where this goes. I don't think we've seen the last of Boba Fett. Um, uh, but yeah, let's see. I don't know. Like Din wants the, the people of Mos Pelgo, also known as Freetown, to come and um, help out. I don't really see what it, what's in it for them. Really. Uh, I guess the stuff with the pikes is just going to get worse and worse for them, so it is worth it. Um, we see the pikes starting to... Uh, stir up more trouble in in Boba's um, territory by bombing the sanctuary. R.I.P. Gasa Thweep. Very sad. Uh, as many people have mentioned, um, Max Rebo was not visible in that scene. So, fingers crossed, he has escaped yet another <laughs> large explosion. Um if anyone, if anyone um, has out there has not tr uh, checked out Blast Points, um, it's a long-running and excellent Star Wars podcast. Their latest episode was an entire episode dedicated to the illustrious career of Max Rebo and is an amazing good time. Um, yeah, so that was all killer. Um, and then... The end of the episode, we get the appearance. I mean, this this episode had so many things that people have kind of speculated about. You know, like, could this be in it? Could that be in it? Could this be in it? Could that be in it? And it's all things of like, eh, could be. Not impossible, but don't expect it too soon. And they just like <laughs> slapped all of it on the table. Cad Bane t shows up at the end. He looked incredible. Um for most of it, I would say. I think, so, I forget when, I think it does it happen in the Bad Batch or in the Clone Wars, but he originally had a very large hat and I loved that look. And then um, by the time we get to the Bad Batch, he's got a much smaller hat on, which I never liked as much. I think it, it doesn't have as much swagger to it. Um, it looks dorkier. Um, could that have been because they thought they couldn't um, sell a, 
a hat that size in a in a live action show, and they wanted to prepare Cad Bane's look to line up for what we see in live action. Could be, um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I thought Cad Bane looked awesome. I just wish the hat was bigger because his head is a little bit wider than in animated form, which you know, this is a live action thing. There's a that's a guy in a suit. Um, as far as I can, you know, it is. It's a guy in you know in prosthetics, I would say. And um, yeah, so that's the that's how the head is. But I think you, it would it would work to have the hat bigger. But ah, whatever. He was awesome. The voice was awesome. The outfit looked cool. That showdown with the dumb deputy getting iced was killer. Cobb Vanth. I'm sure survived, um, but uh, this is going to uh, definitely encourage the people of Freetown to do something about this. I would say, so it's going to help everything. But man, are we going to see Boba Fett and Cad Bane facing off in the next episode? I guess so. That's bonkers. What's going to happen? Like. I mean, is Grogu going to turn up? Is Luke going to turn up? My guess is that maybe they're done for this for this uh, season of this show and that we might see that decision being made at the beginning of The Mandalorian Season 3, but it, we might see it. It might be a kind of like sting, sting at the end of the episode. Hmm. But um, I don't know. Like I, I feel like... This uh, this storyline with the crime syndicates and stuff has been not very um, not told in any detail whatsoever. Really, it's been it's like almost feels like an afterthought to the show. Um, which either that's just how it is, and okay, or um, it it's because this is just really just kicking off. I I really think we could get another season. Or two of the Book of Boba Fett, unless you just go like, well, it's all like funneling back into the Mandalorian, and then we see more Boba Fett there, and more crime syndicate stuff there. I don't know. Like I'm thinking, like most people, like the, the episode last week's episode and this episode have been crankers. So ninety five percent of everybody's just like, this rules, hooray for Star Wars, which is great to see. Um. But people who have felt a bit like, how can you have no Boba Fett in the Boba Fett show? Um, like, I I don't know. I think all is not lost. I think we're going to see much more of this uh, as time goes on. So let's see. Um, any other nice little details in the, in the episode? Um, I really liked seeing the Jawas with that um, crate dragon skull strapped to the top of their sandcola for some reason. Who knows? Um, it was cool to see the crate dragon rib cage in the in the in the saloon in uh, Freetown. That was really cool. Um, yeah, that's about it. Uh, fantastic episode. Um, I wonder if um, 
Lucasfilm would consider going back and uh, doing a new version of Chapter 16 of The Mandalorian with, uh, with Luke's face redone. I would be up for that. I would also be up for a redo of Tarkin. But perhaps they should wait five years until they've really perfected it and then do it and then just like, bam, it's done, it's perfect. Never have to touch it again. Let's see. All right, but Lucasfilm, Dave Filoni, John Favreau, take a bow. Amazing episode. I think it's time to play a spot of What's That Sound? All right, everybody. What's that sound? It's not that difficult one, but it's a nice opportunity to really appreciate. Just listen to that. Mm. I mean, we kind of take that sound for granted, but it's like, it's so menacing and it's kind of like disturbing. Like you can almost hear the lungs kind of, Slapping together. Fantastic. Let's try another one. I reckon that's R2 getting zapped by Jawas in Death Valley in uh, A New Hope. Let's take a look. The pages are turning, baby. Oh, man. Not what we tune in for, Tom. We, nobody needs to hear you sing, buddy. Sorry. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it was. Aren't I a smarty pants? Let's try another one. Fast ship. <laughs> never heard of the Millennium Falcon? Love that. Okay, let's try another one. I mean... I don't need to look that up. Tuscan Raider. Classic. Let's have another. Let's have another. What the hell was that? I mean, something from the cantina, I guess? Or? Man, that was weird. Oh! Yeah. This was uh, raw materials for the sound effects for the Holochess set. Very, very cool. Um, I have a new segment for you. It's called What's That Song? All right, so the idea behind What's That Song is... So I made a uh, Spotify playlist with every single track from all 11 Star Wars films. Um, and the idea is that I'll just hit random, basically, and see, we'll listen to the song. It's kind of like try to guess what, what film it's from, even what uh, what the title is, perhaps. But uh, it, just to really, like, kind of listen and um, see what we think about it or have see what we have to say about it. So let's give this a shot. Yeah. Okay. 
I mean, this is... Is it from A New Hope or is it from Empire? I mean, it kind of sounds related to the Imperial March, which makes me think Empire. Let's have a look. Yeah. Nope, I was wrong. That was Imperial Attack from New Hope. Ah, uh, it's good. I don't. There's a particular tone to the um, the recordings for the New Hope soundtrack, which has like a like a real for me a really seventies vibe. Um, I feel like the the uh, like all of all three of the, the the original trilogy soundtracks kind of it sound wise reflect the era in which they were recorded, I guess, but especially a New Hope to me. Yeah. All right. Let's see what the next one is. Nice strings. I can't pick this. I like it, but... Nope, I'm going to have to look and see what it is. Okay. <gasps> Torn apart from The Force Awakens. So this must be um, from, of course, Han and Kylo have their moment together. A big moment. Okay. I mean, this, this gentle part is, um, you know, leading up to something pretty heavy, I guess. Let's have a listen. Yeah, see, it's leading. It's leading into the tragedy, folks. All right, we're gonna we're gonna go to we're gonna do one more. Uh, is this the cave on Dagobah? That's my first thought. That's my thought. That's my guess. I'm gonna take a look. No, <laughs> way off. You know what this is? Anakin defeats Sebulba. From the Phantom Menace. Wow. Yeah, I wasn't even close. There you go. All right. I think it's time for some uh, behind-the-scenes shenanigans. Let's have a look. So, all this, uh, again, um, comes from the art of The Mandalorian Season 1, which I'm really, really, really enjoying. Uh, this was a nice little bit from Mr. Dave Filoni, the man of the hour. Let's read what he had to say. Uh, they are talking about the uh, chapter two, when um, Din has to go and get Zuka, the egg. So uh, this is what he says. At one point, there was a big old tree right above the entrance to the Mudhorn Cave. I ended up shooting the scene where he goes down to the cave. I shot second unit on every single episode in season one. My perspective on how the cave should be shot hasn't, hadn't changed from my early storyboards, but I talked with Rick Famuyiwa and he was all for it. 
the clarity of what John wrote leads us all to the same ideas. So the main takeaway for that one, for me, was um, that Dave Filoni shot second unit on every single episode of season one. I haven't heard that reported anywhere actually before. So that was news to me and I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I it, it, I should have made note actually because, you know, the, the, the episodes were not shot in order. I want, I think, I wonder how much second unit experience he got before he got to actually making his um, his episodes. I should double check that and uh, see how that worked out. It would be interesting. I mean, personally, if I, <laughs> if I was in his shoes, I would have liked to uh, have done a bunch of second unit shooting before jumping into my first bit of live action directing. But uh, yeah. Um, another interesting thing here, um, talking about the look of the Mandalorian. See what you think of this. Uh, we start off uh, with the icon, the icon himself, Doug Chang, talking about the look of, of uh, Din Djarin. Regarding the Mandalorian, quote, making somebody who is distinct from Boba Fett, yet evokes Boba Fett was a big challenge, Chang said. We wanted to keep the silhouette, but create a more powerful, more iconic Mandalorian, almost like the idealized, aspirational version of Boba Fett. For John, it was about getting away from the giant helmets. How do we make the iconic Mandalorian helmet tight as possible to both the stunt performers and actors' heads so that they're comfortable and don't look like a bobblehead? Now, I I have to say, I had actually had this thought myself in the past. Um, Now... Straight up, Boba, Boba Fett is like the coolest design ever, pretty much, you know. Um, but from certain angles, I have been surprised by how wide that helmet is. Sometimes I'm like, is that is that how the helmet looks? Because in my mind, it was a bit more sleek. Um, so I actually totally understand what John Favreau was talking about there. Uh, I too have sometimes thought, looked at Boba Fett and thought, man, that helmet is it's a bit on the wide side. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I appreciate what they have done with, you know, the Mandalorian with Din Djarin's helmet. It really is a, like a sleeker, slightly, hate to say it, but cooler looking helmet, I guess, in, from some angles. <laughs> All right, the last one. Uh, this is talking about the wonderful Bryce Dallas Howard. I mean, I'm st- I still can't believe last week's episode. It was just I guess, you know, like when it comes to Star Wars, that there's certain Star Wars movies or moments that give you this just like like glittering magic feeling and her episode last week did that for me for sure. So this is a little interesting thing from her talking about her uh, connection to Star Wars. Um, Again, this is from her, you know, from the season one of the Mandalorian days. So keep that in mind. But this is what she says. Star Wars has been a very personal journey. 
because I care very deeply about the man behind the story, Bryce Dallas Howard said. George honestly feels like family and has been a mentor to my father since he was a teenager. It's incredible to be part of the continuation of this story. I've always been in awe of Star Wars and the magic of that. That's really nice to hear, don't you think? Like, she's right. I mean, that her family's connection to George Lucas and Star Wars goes back decades. Um, I don't think that kind of stuff is important for being able to make good Star Wars. But um, just really nice to hear um, that there is a real depth to her connection to this whole, whole family and this whole world. All right. To finish off, let's take a look at a scene from The Last Jedi. Now, if you uh, do not remember where we were up to, uh, we just finished Luke dropping some history lessons on Rey about the failure of the Jedi. Heavy stuff. Heavy stuff when you consider we've just seen some heartwarming scenes of Luke and uh, Grogu together. But uh, let's see where we are now. We are back with the remnants of the resistance the medical frigate is no more now man look at this bridge looks incredible yeah I have to say this is one line I do not like Godspeed, Rebels. I don't know. Is that cool? Is that Star Wars? <sighs> I'm not sure. But, uh, and especially because they call back to it later in the movie. I'm just like, I don't know that. I don't think that's like a cool, like, callback worthy line. All right, we're on Canobite. I mean, it's a good looking, it's good looking. These cops, ah, not a fan. Gonna, I gotta say, they look too much like Earth cops to me somehow. Um, yeah, now something that turned me around a little bit on that <laughs> is because I can't even remember what it was for, but I was looking, it was a, you know, original trilogy making of books, might've been Return of the Jedi. But one of the Macquarie sketches looks just like that. I'm sure they borrowed it from there. Anyway. This is them meeting DJ, the sketchy codebreaker. His socks look disgusting, man. He's got big holes in his socks. It's gross. This is a cool little scene, actually. Codebreaker, thief. And I can do it. His hair does look like he was sleeping on it. It's good. <laughs> Sometimes I think. Uh, Films have trouble uh, really repli replicating authentic just been sleeping here. <laughs> I don't know. Like, 
DJ's a cool, a pretty good character. Cartoga. I like that little, uh, little bit of uh, non-basic in there. Um, I think I missed the line where it says, "Don't let the, don't let the rapper fool your friend." I think that's a good line. But uh, I mean, these, these prison cells. Obviously, this is like, um, it's a, it's this hyper wealthy casino place. So everything's supposed to be clean and nice, but it's still like it's still like a prison. I kind of would have liked to have seen this would be a bit more. And then this like BBH shooting the coins and ah, it's a bit slapsticky and I don't know. This is not exactly my favorite flavor. This whole section is like yeah, but again, I gotta. Remember back to when Lala came to see it with me and she was having a great old time. <laughs> this is cool though. This is really good looking. Yes. We get a nice... Um, a nice... Ah, oh, look at that. Rose is cute. Come on. She's cool. Uh, Fathia. The Fathias. I like the Pelimoto callback. She's fast as a father, yeah. That was cool. Um, here we have the, the little kid. This reminds me of... Um, sorry, I got distracted. Okay. Rose pulls out a yo, I'm in the resistance yo ring. I don't know how I feel about that, really. Um... Kind of cool, I guess. I don't know. I think you can buy those rings at Galaxy's Edge. Would I want one? Here come the cops, the shiny cops, capes, cops in capes. I like this shot of the fathers running them down. It's good. But, um, yeah, I can't lie. This is like some of my kind of least favorite sequences ah it's pretty it's all right but it's just like and again like the, the these police vehicles have this very spindly look to them which to me doesn't scream star wars and i know that like the so the original uh, vehicles in star wars had pretty chunky construction because thin stuff didn't work on blue screen. So um, ships had to be pretty solid in design to show up properly against the blue screen, which is why you don't get a lot of spindly designs, I guess. But uh, Now there's, there's a dude who comes up, and this will... Um, oh, there was that alien from uh, last... There, there, okay, stop. This one guy... People of a certain age from a certain couple of countries will know who I'm talking about. Do you remember the two Ronnies? This was a comedy show from the 70s, I believe, from the UK. It was Ronnie Corbett and the other one, I don't know. There's a character here who looks exactly like Ronnie Corbett. It's weird. Or the other Ronnie, I don't, I don't know. I remember when uh, news uh, of uh, this shoot was coming out that I believe it was shot in Dubrovnik. Hmm. Um, 
Yeah, I, I mean, I've heard people describe this as Harry Potter-esque, and I can't uh, disagree, really. Um, yeah, but, um, yeah, I was going to say, that we just before we saw that um, alien that you see in the elevator in uh, Chapter 5 of, the Mandal of uh, Book of Boba Fett. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's fine, I guess. All right, we're getting to the end where DJ comes and saves him. Uh, I don't really have that much to say about it, except that it's, it's like, passable, but... I don't know, like... I feel like Star Wars movies are... Yeah, I mean, you gotta... If possible, every scene should be a... A killer, you know, if you can do, make it that way. Um, all right. I just want to say again, holy moly, what a what a couple of weeks it's been for Star Wars. I mean, these two episodes are both like chapters of uh, the Book of Boba Fett that I'm going to be watching for years to come. Uh, I think that'll be the case for all of us. Um, so, yeah. What on earth can happen next next week? Like, it feels like the whole, like, the whole kind of, like, a sh showdown between Boba Fett and the Pikes, it's, it feels like it's barely begun. So, who knows? Maybe we get, like, a, a fat hour-long episode that really shows it go down, or... It just uh, sets up for another season. Let's see. All right, folks, I hope you're having a good Star Wars time out there. My name is Tom Sutton, and this is Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me. Mm -hmm.